Hello, and welcome to Paradox, untold stories from athletic directors with Dr. Danielle LaPointe and Dr. Dustin Smith. We have some crazy and unique stories for you, which are made possible by our sponsor, Wall of Fame. At the Wall of Fame, our mission is to bring your school's legacy to life. We transform school tributes to make it easier than ever to celebrate your whole community, showcasing your school's diverse history, proudest moments, and top role models. We understand that the true value of our Wall of Fame is in your content. Whether you are starting a new tribute or adding to an existing one, we give you all the resources you need to build an interactive experience and take your content to the next level. Speaking of next level, let's check in to see what Danielle and Dustin have for us today. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Paradox Untold Stories from Athletic Directors. Um, today, we are in North Carolina, and we have um, Matsusori Taguchi, right? Did I get that right? Yes. Yes. Okay. So, um, we are here with Matsusori today. We're really excited to have him here. Um, and obviously, Dustin is enjoying life up in Oklahoma, right, Dustin? Yeah, I always enjoy life. No matter mm-hmm. where I'm at, I'm enjoying life, and I'm really enjoying life today because I've been wanting to have this guy on for a while. I've talked to him a few times, and we were at the State Coordinators Summit, and we got to talk a little bit there and um, got to talk in the airport, unfortunately, because his flight was delayed, and everybody going to North Carolina was delayed, uh, or everybody going to Charlotte was delayed. Um, <clears throat> but Masanari is a he is a presence. In the NIAAA, he's a presence um, figuratively, uh, literally, however you want to take that. Uh, We have had people on this show that have been a fan of WWF or WWE. We have never had somebody that's got lineage in the (laughs) professional wrestling circuit until today. Uh, Masanari has got some lineage. He's he's, um, got some vested interests, I guess, in what is professional wrestling. So I don't know if we're going to jump into that or not. Uh, but Masanari is uh, obviously does stuff with state coordinators there in North Carolina. He's also on the certification committee, so uh, I get to see him on a regular basis with those meetings. Um, he's been a he's a legend in the NIAAA world. Uh, matter of fact, I, before we got on this call, I was having a, I had a phone conversation with a guy that said I cannot wait to hear the stories from Taguchi. So um, <laughs> he may be one of the only guys that no can pressure. go by either. An abbreviated first name or Gooch or, I mean, people know him as Tiny, um, but he does not live up to any of that. Uh, man, Moss, I, I'm just pumped to have you on here. I'm glad you, you've you agreed to do this. Look forward to having a fun conversation. And I'm looking forward to it, too. I, I You know, I've, I've watched a couple of examples of this podcast that you guys have sent me in, and I, I laughed. I, I use it as comedy and, you know, stress relief and... uh you know, I think Steve Robinson kind of maybe kind of blame me for hazing, but you know, <laughs> he, was just, he was really just having fun, right? Yeah. Well, here's what I know: you're going to have the microphone last, so you can defend yourself. You can you can attack him. Whatever we got to do, we'll set that record straight. But one of the first things I like to do, Moss, is I like to just say, "Tell us what the resume doesn't tell us about who Taguchi is." Uh, who who Gooch is, who Moss is, whatever you want to say. Tell us what the resume doesn't tell us. You've been doing this for a long time, but what does the resume not tell us about who you are? Um, you know, I think one of the first things that, you know, in, in any inter- interview I've done in my educational pathway has been, I always want to be kids first, right? I want to put kids first. Um you know, a lot of people know, you know, I played collegiate football. I played a year in the arena league. Um, I chased the NFL dream, um, you know, and I was <laughs> I was the one that said I would never work in education. And 20 years later, <laughs> I'm sitting in the seat um, in an educational setting um, and have worked now in both public and private um, sector. Um, and so, you know, my goal is to make kids first. My my ultimate goal as an athletic director is prepare kids for after the athletic clock expires, which is different for any, for everybody, right? It's not set to end your senior year. Some kids will go on to be professional athletes. Some will be, you know, a career in college. Some will go to college the first year and be like, I don't want to do this anymore. 
because it's a job, right? And so, um, and there's some people in their career in high school, maybe even middle school. And so um, that's my ultimate goal, right? Is, is to prepare kids for life after the athletic clock expires through life lessons learned in and with athletics. So you said you had no desire to be in education. And not only are you in education 20 years later, you're in an athletic director's seat, which is a whole different level of education, um, a whole different arena, if you will. And I know your background is in athletics and uh, you played football at a high level. How did you get into the to the athletic side of this? If education wasn't a path, but you've gotten into education and not only education, but education based athletics. So I was, so it's kind of, it's kind of funny. I was on the side of town where I went to high school. Um, and so I stopped by during lunch to visit the head football coach who was the offensive coordinator at the time that I was at school. And uh, he asked me how things were going. I had a shirt and tie on at the time because I was working for a, for the bank. And um, he said, hey, you think you want to, teach and coach, you know, football and, and maybe wrestling. And I was like, nah, I don't think so. Right. He's like, well, it's lunchtime. Let me go introduce you to my principal. Um, and so we walk into the calf, you know, I'd shared many memories as a freshman, sophomore and junior at that school. And uh, the principal who who's about six, four um, looks me up and down and goes, Hey, you want a job? And I was like, you don't even know who I am or, or where I went to school. And uh, and so I was like, no, I don't want to work in education. He said, like, well, if you think about it, call me back, call me back and I'll have a job waiting for you. So that was probably February. So in April, I called back and I was like, hey, I'd love to come explore this teaching thing. And um, at the time, I didn't go to school. I didn't, I didn't go <laughs> I didn't go to school, you know, to be a teacher, right? And and um, so with my degree from Wake Forest, I was able to come in as a special educator. And so I had to go back to school to get my teaching license. So I came in what they call lateral entry. Um, and so I started as the offensive line coach and the head wrestling coach um, at the high school where I started. And uh, for three years, I coached there. and then. Um, I had a kid, and this is where the story kind of takes a turn and gets sad for a minute, but I had a kid who was a special education student um, who was murdered um, my third year at that school. And I was really close with that kid, um, just helping him turn him around academically, getting him involved in sports. Um, and I and then said, well, I don't want to coach anymore because I don't want to be this close to kids. Right. So I pursued a career in athletic administration because I was like, you know what? I won't be coaching. I won't be that close. But it had the reverse effect. So I got my first AD job at the age of 26 in 2007. Um, and um, I learned that I soon would know every student athlete and every sport would now have an impact on me. Um, and that started my pathway. And in 2010, I was able to open up a brand new high school in Charlotte-Mecklenburg Schools, uh, and I was there for 11 years um, and seen that, saw it through COVID um, and left in 2021 and started in the independent sector in 2021. Um, and still, that's where I am currently. So, you know, a tragedy happened. It pushed me away from coaching to thinking that administration was going to be a little bit easier and not so much connection, but only did I, if only if I control the story of life, right. <laughs> I would have got it right, but I got it wrong because that wasn't what, you know, was in the path for me uh, to have my impact and be able to share my experiences um, as a single parent uh, kid who made it, through athletics was the first in my in my family to go to college, the first in my family to get a a master's a master's degree. Um, you know, you made reference to uh, WWF lineage, and um, my father was a professional wrestler. Um, 
it started in Japan. My dad's from Tokyo, Japan. Um, and he came to uh, the U.S. Uh, to wrestle with the NWA uh, with uh, Jim Crockett here in Charlotte. And he got promoted after a few, few, a few years to the WWF um, as Tiger Chung Lee. And, uh, and so that made it, um, you know, my mom and dad divorced when I was eight, but I got to see Hulk Hogan, John Studd, Andre the Giant, the Hart brothers, you know, all of those early eighties phenomenal wrestlers, uh, grow up. And if you told me wrestling was choreography or fake, I'd fight you. Right. <laughs> so not necessarily a not necessarily a funny story in athlete in the athletic director world, but my freshman year as a as a wrestler, I, the uh, coach had convinced me to wrestle. I didn't know it was a pad, right, a mat on the floor. I was looking for the squared circle. Yeah, right. So I was looking for the ring and the rope because I wanted to jump off the top turnbuckle. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so that's you know that's that's kind of where that lineage comes in. I I still love uh, watching professional wrestling. Uh, um, I you know I play college football, but I think wrestling may be my favorite sport. Like I watched the Iowa Iowa State duel. Uh, this weekend, and I was like glued to the monitor watching it. Um, so it's been it's been really good. That was my path to athletics. Um, you know, and I wanted to be an athletic director, not for any reason, but other than to kind of separate myself. But then when I became an athletic director, I thought about who my current AD was, right? And my current ADs that I had in high school, they were always visible at a game. They always had something positive to say. They were always there to pat you on the back and give you a high five, win or lose. And so that's that's who I've kind of modeled myself after, right? I'm visible at games. I put kids first. Um, and I'm there to, to to celebrate and I'm there to to uh, to comfort, you know, in defeat. So um that's kind of my path. And and so yeah, I never wanted to work in education, but here I am. Well, let me ask this story because, or listen, ask this question because based off that story, you see the principal, he looks you up and down, which I'll just say is going to take a minute because you're all there. <laughs> <laughs> he's not, he's not tiny. I'll just say that. Uh, that but, may be his nickname, but he's not. <laughs> but so he looks you up and down. And you say you don't want anything to do with this teaching thing. And then you come back. And not only do you get into coaching, but you become the head coach of wrestling. Yep. So your first gig was a head wrestling job at the high school level. Yep. yep. I just love that he's like, no, like, hey, do you want do you want to teach here? you want to coach here? He's like, no. And the guy's like, well, I'm going to introduce my principal anyway. <laughs> I, just, yeah, I mean, didn't even hear what he said. <laughs> you, you know, I have a presence, right? And so, you know, <laughs> I'm I'm 6'3 and about 370 pounds, right? And, you know, it's it's just there, right? And, and so, like, people ask me all the time in, in my – I've worked in high schools that – I worked in schools from about 1,700 to 2,800. And the one thing that I can do is control a student section without even saying anything. <laughs> yeah, just look at them. Right? And it, they stop, right? Um, and people ask me all the time, how do you do that? Well, one is presence. Two is relationship building, right? And, and knowing who to make eye contact with, right? Because you make eye contact with the right person, they start elbowing each other and saying, shh you know, or, or they change the channel or it just stops, right? Um, but I, I just think, you know, relationships are important um, in building it. Having a presence is important. <laughs> showing, showing kids that you care um, is important. Well, I mean, think about that. Just you talk about having a presence, but having a relationship. So you go just see a guy just seeing what they're doing, and he says, hey, let me go introduce you to my principal. You had no intention going there to meet the principal, but because of the relationship that you had, you get to meet the principal. And not only do you get to meet the principal, you get offered a job on the spot and then you get offered 
once you come to your senses and decide that's where I want to be, you get to be a head coach and an offensive line coach. Uh, So it's, it's amazing the way that relationships end up impacting our path. And clearly that had a huge impact on you. And maybe, I don't know, maybe you had a discussion with that guy and said, Hey, why'd you introduce me to your principal? Or maybe you thanked him. I'm not sure what that, what that was, but it obviously started you on your path. What's crazy is me and that principal are really good friends to this day. Right. Um, you know, uh, we are, um, we stay connected. We do lunch. He's now since retired. Um, and he's teaching at the university here in Charlotte, at UNC Charlotte. Um, it's just, uh, it's amazing that, that how, how well we stay connected and we check in on each other. Um, and so it's, it's really cool. Isn't that what this profession's about though? I mean, you make those relationships and even, I mean, we're talking today because of connections that we were able to make at a state coordinator summit or gotten to see you at the national convention. We had a conversation and then all of a sudden, hey, come be a guest on the podcast. And you say, all right, I'm in. And we we have this conversation. But that's, in a nutshell, what our profession's about. We just have relationships, strike up, build a network. And that's why I think the NADC is so important, because you get to meet people from literally around the world that are doing the same thing that we're doing. You may be in Charlotte and I'm in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, but we're still dealing with kids. We're still dealing with parents. We're still dealing with education-based athletics. So we all share that link. It's just a matter. It's just funny to me that coaches, they want to protect their stuff. We don't want you to see what we're doing. ADs, we just get word vomit and say, here you go. Here's what I'm doing. If you want to use it, use it. Or I may call you and say, Moss, I want to steal what you're using. And you're saying, okay, you don't have to steal. I'll give it to you. Here it is. Um, But that's what's really cool about our profession. What was crazy as a coach is I'd share anything with you in the world because you know what? You had to be able to coach it, right, the way I coached it, right? And so I'll give you everything I do, but beat me with it. Well, and in in the wrestling ring, I say ring, wrestling's mat, I mean, it's one-on-one. You don't really – there's really not a game plan each time. You're just going out there and almost reacting. Whether you just ups- you just upset every wrestling coach across the country. <laughs> but, I mean, you don't have a drawn plan. out game plan that's saying here's what you're doing. <laughs> I mean, you just do. I mean, it's whatever. Each kid is what's their strength. Do they shoot? Are they good at? Are they? Do they build up riding time? Are they one that can escape? I mean. There's not a laid out game plan. Like an offensive lineman, you're going to have a game plan of what you're doing. Wrestling, it's just a lot of reaction. Now, you are aggressive to start, but you've got to react to what they do when you when you shoot or when you try to put a, a, a half in or whatever. Um, yeah. I mean, it's it's a different sport. I get it. Well, you but, know what? When I coach wrestling, though, I coached it from the individual aspect and the team aspect, right? Because by the time I – when I wrestled, the heavyweight was the close of the show, right? And a lot of times you either won the match or you lost the match or you sealed the deal, right? And by the time I started coaching, there was a draw the weight class, you know, so everybody had to be ready for that big moment, right? right? And so that's when you truly got to teach the, you know, the the impact of how wrestling is individual, but also team. And so that was that was a huge difference from uh, when I coached to when I wrestled to when I coached. I, I'm just going to take a stab at this. I'm guessing you didn't wrestle at 113. I was a heavyweight from the beginning. Listen, <laughs> funny story is I was 35 pounds at nine months old. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. In Orlando, I'll show you the baby picture. That's that's awesome. So I do have to ask this on behalf of Jim Harris. He would want to know who's the greatest WWF superstar of all time. We'll we'll take your dad out of it. Hulk Hogan. No question. No question. Ric Flair's not up there. No, Ric Flair was a WWC guy. You know, uh, WCW guy. You know, uh, I love the Nature Boy. Right, holding. 
holding the alligators down, you know, Rolex wearing, jet flying, <laughs> limousine riding, you know, diamond ring wearing, son of a gun. It's like I'm, and he's having a hard time holding them alligators down. I love it, right? Um, you know, but, you know, I just remember wanting to have, take my vitamins, rip my shirt off, have the biggest pythons in the world. That was my guy. Still to this day, that was my guy. Um, I, you know, my dad used to get mad when he says, who's your favorite wrestler? And I say, Hulk Hogan. You know, <laughs> Not <yeah>. him. <laughs> you know, just going to be honest, right? Yeah. But see, do I better, go back to the better, days. Of, I go back to the days of the Von Erichs, Jimmy yep. Superfly Snooker. The, I mean, yep. Von Erichs. That was my, that was my dad's on. era. So, um, Steamboat Snooker, um, the Road Warriors, the Junkyard the, Dog, the Samoa SWAT team, Junkyard Dog, Big John Stud, uh, Adula the Butcher. Uh, you know, uh, you name it. I mean, the Iron Sheik. You know, you know it, it's all of those guys, man. Iron Mike Sharp, you know, Junkyard Dog. Uh, it that was that was wrestling. Yeah, back in the day. yeah. And the Von Erichs were unique because they wrestled without shoes on. I mean, they were the barefooted guys. I don't know if you remember them or not, but they they made the name for themselves because they didn't wear any boot of any kind. Right. Which was very unique, but anyway, I can I can run down this this rabbit hole for quite a while, and we didn't get you on here just to talk wrestling. I promise we no, got no. you on here because when I, when I when I was messaging you about this, you you said, "Man, I got some stories from the private and from the public side." Yeah, and I know you're just gonna wing it and tell us what it is, but what what's the well? Let me do this first. Tell us on a map. I know you say you're in Charlotte, but for those who are geographically challenged. Paint on a map where Charlotte is so people will have an idea of where that is in North Carolina. So Charlotte is, at you know, on the border of uh, North Carolina, South Carolina. Uh, it's where the Carolina Panthers play, um, you know, if they do play. You know, <laughs> we're, str we're struggling right now. <laughs> we're, we're struggling. It's hard pulling for the home team, but we're struggling. They fired uh -huh. a coach. But but keep pounding, baby, keep pounding. But um, we're in the Piedmont of, of, of North Carolina. We're between the mountains and the beach. Uh, we're about three and a half hours each way from the you know the mountains or to the beach, and and so um, it is. It's not the capital, but it's 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 the city. It's the queen city, um, and so uh, it's where I was born and raised, and so it's home. So let me ask you this: Is there truth? So there was nobody thrown off of the boat when the ADs got together in North Carolina. Nobody and, was thrown off the boat, but we did have we did have one AD that did not know how to swim, <laughs> right? And so we made him sit on the back of the boat and get his feet wet. Uh, just a With kind a of life old, jacket on. He did not have a life jacket. <laughs> on. We was holding on to him, um, but it, you know to break the fear of being a fear of deep water right and uh just to get you we made him get his feet wet right and and so you know that was just because some people you know that don't know how to swim have a fear of water especially water that they can't see the bottom of and and so we made him get his toes wet take his socks off so the dogs was out and uh <laughs> and so you know he did it right just like steve uh robinson's son country road you know, so it was a it was a leadership thing. So and and so some of that is is coaching to be able to come come over fear, having fun, um, and so that's just that's just kind of what how that went. But yeah, we did have somebody that put their toes in the water because they couldn't swim. We didn't throw anybody in though. Well, let's see, I'm fascinated by just that, just the camaraderie of that group to be able to say, hey, we're going out on this, we're going out on this boat. But there's so many life lessons there. And I mean, even in that moment, you were coaching or you were teaching, whatever you want to call it, to, hey, overcome this situation, this adversity that's facing you. Um, and you guys were holding on to him. So I'm I'm assuming it wasn't you because you said we were holding on to him. Yeah. So it wasn't you. It wasn't me. I can do a. I I got a hell of a cannonball. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I, I, when we get to Orlando, I do want to talk to you about that whole process because I think that's something that's really good for AD building 
relationships and I, I really like that concept. So I won't pick your brain about that. That's not why we got you on here. I got we, you. We want to talk stories. So let's talk some stories. Do you have one for our, for us that you can off the top of your head? I know you what? said you stared some kids down. So there had to be some student sections. There had to be something. Well, you, you know, so we can talk student section, right? So I've been at uh, three high schools as an athletic director and kids are always going to push the envelope, right? They're, they're going to take all the string they can take until they cross till they cross it and see if somebody's going to address it, right? Nine times out of 10, when the student section is going to cross the threshold of a point of no return is when the game is out of control. The game's competitive, you know, but if there's a, a big, if the game is out of control and is already a winner, then people start looking for who they can make fun of or, you know, somebody's girlfriend is on at the rival school. So they're going to call that person out. So you have to control that. Right. So I've always talked about, you know, cheer for your team, cheer for your number. But I, I think, you know, and, and we're talking about also a shortage of officials throughout the country. Right. So the, the best, <laughs> The the three chants that I kind of that kind of raise my blood pressure a little bit is the push it chant, right? Which we all know what that sounds like, right? Right? And then you know take the referee's whistle, right? Because that gets the referees fired up. You get a, you see them steaming, right? You can see that steam coming off their head, you know, when somebody's getting on them, um, and then just singling somebody out, right? And so those are the ones that they get that look, right? Or they just get that, you know, <laughs> and, and it stops, right? Um, I've actually thrown an entire student section out. Um, it was a visiting student section, and a uh, kid shot the double bird Ooh. In, uh, to our student section. So I put the whole student section out. <laughs> like, how many kids are we talking here? <laughs> We're talking maybe 100, 150 kids. I put the whole I put the whole student section out. Right? So, like all of you gotta go. Yep. Their administrator and nobody didn't even question what I did. <laughs> I got the I got the officer on duty with me, stop the game, let's go. We won't start until um you know. But I mean, you're not gonna do that, right? I mean, in the day of streaming, you know, people make a meme of that, you know, draws attention that you necessarily don't want. Oh, so this was like pre-social media days. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> this is right before the this is right before the camera uh, were mm. were installed. So like, I just I have zero tolerance for behaviors like that, right? Because you're not going to do it with your mom or dad there, right? And you know, to, in this day and world, people hide behind 240 or 80 characters. They can hide behind, you know, a, a Twitter handle or Instagram handle. Um, and some people just get courage, right? And so I have zero tolerance for that. And so um, I'm not afraid to address it, right? And I'll so, take the repercussion of it the next day, right? Let, uh, let me ask this question. When that happened, where are you in proximity to the student section? I'm standing Their right in front of section and yours. I'm standing right in front of the visitor student section because their student section is right in front of, right behind the team bench for their school. So I told the official I needed a few seconds to clear it out. We he stopped the game. We cleared it out. Nothing you can do about it. It's but, my house. So they just. First of all, they just got up and went, and they're like, "Okay." But then, like, where did they go? Were they just like at the parking lot causing problems? Like, hit the, no, hit the parking lot. The police officers once they cleared the building, the police officers go with them, tell them they got to go. Okay, so you had the the reinforcement there. Yeah. So. Okay. So you didn't go just to the kid who did the double bird. No, because I had already talked to the student section previously about a couple other things, and gave them a warning. I said, if you. If you want to cross the line, then you all can handle the repercussion. You got to go. <laughs> Wait, what, what? What? Where were we at the game? Were we like halfway? Uh, like, where were we? It was right after halftime. It was right. <laughs> it was right after halftime. So, boys' game or girls' game? It was the boys' game. Okay, 
So it was later in the night. So you it was had later in the night. They ain't got their money's worth. You know, some of them said they wanted a <laughs> refund. You know, and I said, well, we don't. And get then he flipped them the double bird. Like, right. <laughs> 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 we don't get refunds around here, so you know. Thank you for your donation. Yeah, see, I I had somebody ask me that one time, and here was my response: If you leave the movie early, they don't give you your money back. <laughs> so you're leaving the game early. I'm not giving you your money back. I mean, if you if you're gonna do something stupid that's gonna get you removed from here, I'm not paying you to leave. Right. That that was but- just my mindset. Well, and I think I think that we also he you know Mister you also said something that kind of hit home a little bit of like this was pre camera era or social media era right and it's interesting that you have to you know change the way you do things um, just because you're always being filmed and, and you're not necessarily doing the wrong thing but the perception of that thing and and how it looks on. Twitter or TikTok or whatever it is, is, is a thing that we all have to be like cognitive of now. So it's interesting. You know, that's not the first time we've heard somebody be like, well, this was before cell phones and before videos and before pictures and before social media. So, um, I, I, I would, <laughs> I can just imagine the headline you could see now <laughs> if that happened. It's okay. <laughs> well, I think about this. I th- I mean, you said that sometimes, it, or most of the time, the game's either out of hand, um, and I'm assuming the game was out of hand, yeah. that it was pretty obvious who was going to win that game, and it may not mm-hmm. have been them. Uh, and so did the coaches get upset because they have to stop? Because you know how coaches are. When they're in the midst of a game, they don't want to be interrupted. They just want to be, let's go ahead and get this thing finished. No, I mean, you know, I think, because we had a relationship with that school, um, it wasn't a, a conference opponent or anything. It was a non-conference game, but it was kind of a rival. Um, just because it, where I was at the time, we probably had eight high schools within like a 10-mile radius of each other, whether it was charter, private, or a district-level school, right? And so everybody knows everybody. So that's when really things get personal, especially the rivalry or if you know somebody, whatever. Um, and just it has to be zero tolerance. Uh, you know, and because you don't want, I mean, even camera now, like nobody wants a fight or, you know, something that happened in their gym. Right. And so you have to be cautious about it. Right. And you have to have, you have to set boundaries. And, you know, I think that is where that's important. Uh, the AD knew how I operated. We had worked together several years. Um, it's just, you know, it was one of those things. My principal looked at me, I looked at her, and she was like, that's what you want to do. Well, and the gym is a completely different ball game too, right? Like outside um, at your stadium, you may have some distance between your fans and the team and, you know, the officials. But in the gym, you're on top of each other. You are right there. Everything can be seen. Everything can be heard. I think the whole situation is a little bit elevated right off the back because of the way um, the whole system is set up, the whole gym is set up. So I think that plays a big role in in like how you want to deal with your student section and your fans inside a gymnasium versus out of the stadium as well. Yeah. And, and so here's another funny story, and it has a funny saying in it, um, is, you know, everybody, when you work in public school, thinks that they can use the facilities whenever they want to. Right, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know the gate of lot. You got signs posted, you know. Um, so I was out working um, on the field one day, and you know the gate was open, right? And I see the guy coming in, and he's stretching, and he takes his shirt off, he puts it on the fence, right? And he take he does a he does a. I'm working on the turf at the time, grooming it. And so he's he's doing some warm up stuff. And so when he gets to me, I put my hand up because I'm on the gator. So I'm gonna tell him like, hey, you know, you don't have permission to be here, right? And um, so he kind of got confrontational, right? And he was like, well, I pay taxes. My money, my tax money pays for this school. And I said, well, well thank you. It was, it's a great school. I think we was like two years old at the time. Uh, and he says. And I pay your salary. And I said, well, you don't pay me enough, right? He was like, 
He was like, my tax dollars pay for this facility. I said, well, my tax dollars also pay for the police cars and the fire trucks, but I don't get to drive them when I want to. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? And so you're laughing. It pissed him <laughs> off. Right? <laughs> and so I asked him to leave. Right? It's just me and him. Right? And the school cameras. And um, so in my mind, I, I'm like, he is going to turn around and try to make contact with me. And then he's going to say that I was the aggressor. So I gave him his space. And so I was following him out of the stadium. And probably within five steps, he turns around real quick. And he goes, I'll have you arrested. And I was like, what are you going to have me arrested for? Right? Like, what are you going to have me arrested for? So by that time, it's just me and him. And I said, well, I can give you a reason to give me get me arrested, but I'm going to say I was fearful of my life, right? Because the outcome is not going to be your way. The outcome is probably going to be my way, yeah. right? Um, so, you know, the comment of, you know, fire, you know, they don't let me drive fire trucks and police cars when I want to because I pay taxes. That didn't go over too very well, but I thought it was funny. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I've used that line. I think it's awesome. Yeah. I question this man's intelligence, one, because you mentioned earlier your dimensions of 6'3", 370. What, how was he going to win that? I, I don't know. I was scared. <laughs> <laughs> you said that with a straight face. You're almost convincing there. <laughs> I just don't think that these stories that like of outside people wanting to use the facility and then coming the taxpayer, I pay, I own you their school type of attitude. They don't get old for me. They just, every athletic director faces this. And I just, I enjoy hearing these stories tremendously. But here's my question. And you may not have an answer to this Gooch, but he took his shirt off. <laughs> When it's just you and him there, what's what's that? I just don't understand that because when kids do that here, I always say, hey, the shirt monster got you again. Go find your shirt. I don't need to see you without a shirt on. That I just don't understand that mindset. But if it's just you and him, and I need to follow up that question with a gator question. That wasn't Steve Robinson's gator, was it, that you were driving it was not Steve. It was not Steve Robinson's gator. <laughs> Let's just clear that. Better <laughs> not He'll be. make some accusation out of this deal. <laughs> It was Steve, Steve Robinson. I don't think was in the district yet. Okay, so it was everyone's gator at that point. Because everybody <laughs> didn't, didn't get clean. Yeah, so, no, I, I think I think previously probably what he's done is, is is that guy had done was he had probably run on that track before with nobody nobody there, right? And so he took his shirt off because he was going to get some laps in. Well, he got about sixty meters in or sixty yards in before he got stopped and asked to leave, you know. He walked, you know, and the best thing about it, he walks past this big red sign that says, permission must be given by the athletic director for the use of this facility. Did you point that out? Did you point that out when you walked past that and said, hey, read that sign? I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't make it that far. I, I kind of stopped at the bottom of the bleachers as he walked up the bleachers and left. So, you know. It would have been a bad day for both of us. But. <laughs> yeah, you would be 20 years in if that was the case. <laughs> been a bad day for both of us. But, you know, that might be I, the quote of the, the year right there. It would have been a bad day for both of us. I'm, I'm going to make down. a shirt that says that. <laughs> I'm writing it down right now. Yeah, I mean, but, you know, you, you those are the things that I think everybody is challenged with, right? Mm -hmm. People using the facility without permission, not really understanding that how much it takes to upkeep a facility and depending on what your district does to support you, whether it's your district money, your ticket sale money, your booster clubs, um, and just sweat equity, right? I mean, um, we were responsible for our field maintenance. Um, and at the time, I was I was the only athletic director. Right at the school, there was no assistant. There's no secretary. There's no grounds crew. Right, and you know where I am now. I'm I'm spoiled, man. Like 
you know, I'm responsible for seven through 12 athletics and I have an associate director. I have two assistants. I have a director of sports medicine along with three other athletic trainers. Um, I have a, I have an admin assistant, right? We have a full-time strength coach. We have a full-time equipment manager. We have a grounds crew that takes care of all the fields, right? They line them, they paint them. Um, I don't have to worry about mixing paint no more. So like being in the independent world, if they truly value athletics, like we run a small college campus, right? And uh, really in the independent world. And and that, that was kind of always my goal once I uh, learned <laughs> some of the ropes of being an athletic administrator was run this like a small college would. Because sometimes your high school budget is just as big as some small college program. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's important. Give the kids the experience um, that you wanted as an athlete, you know, or a student athlete, or um, that you would want your kids to have to be successful and, and to to learn something through athletics. And and so that's important, right? And I, I think the hard part, um, and this is another, I laugh at it because um, it happens at no matter what level you are, no matter where you are in the country everybody's child is a division one athlete, mm-hmm. right? And so I try to explain what division one athlete is, right? That means that that college or university fully funds football, men's women's basketball and volleyball and everything else is up to a certain number of scholarships, right? And they look at me like, what do you mean? They're like, if your kid wants to go play athletics, there's a place for them to go play. It may not just be where you or where they want to go, right? But then while you're planning for the next four for college, plan for the next 40, right? Because everybody's not going to be a professional. Plan for the next 40. Let's have real conversation. Um, And I think sometimes um, we, we lose that real conversation piece because we're, we're worried about what the scoreboard says um, instead of being, being willing to have difficult conversations and educate what it means to play at the next level, what it means to be a student athlete at, at the interscholastic level um, and how all that works. Like, you know, college recruiting doesn't start with the athletic department. College recruiting starts with the parents. Right, being willing to burn the road up, invest in going to camps, invest in doing campus tours, invest in you know aggravating the hell out of coaches to to follow that timeline. I mean, it, it starts there, right? And it starts in the classroom. Um, and so, I think another piece is just is just educating parents on what it means to be a collegiate athlete, and that it starts probably earlier than ninth grade, but academically it starts in ninth grade, I think is important because what really sucks is when you have a really good athlete and they don't qualify. Right. I, mean, I, I was just, I was just going to say like to, to piggyback off of what you're saying, you know, it starts ninth grade, but I have a, I have a little guy, right. He's just in pre-K and completely not at all going down that path. But I just really think how important it is when they're on the younger levels that they just start learn to like school. They learn to like how and how they learn and they learn to enjoy school and that surrounding. I think that's the first battle. I think it starts way younger before they even specialize in their sport. I think that is something that's, um, I don't know. I don't think people think about that sometimes because it's right. just, what sport can you do and how good are you at it? But like, if like you, if you like school, if you know what you have to do, if you know how to learn, it's going to make the other stuff even easier. Yeah. So I currently, sir, I currently, the Charlotte country day school is where I'm at now. We're a JK junior kindergarten through 12th grade institution. Right. And so last spring we did a workshop for the lower school and those parents are JK through fourth grade on sports. Right. And so one of the questions, <laughs> one of the questions in that that um, thing was, how do we know that our kid is going to be a college athlete at this early age? 
So, you know, you know me, I, I got to have a, an answer, right? I said, well, maybe we could do genetic testing to see, you know, where they're going to be. But, you know, I said at, at ages five, six, seven, eight, nine, let's have fun. Yeah. Right. Let's work on coordination. Let's be in it. Let's walk, let's be able to put one foot in front of the other. You know, let's not worry about being very technical. Let's just worry about having fun. That might mean we transition from football, flag football, basketball, wrestling, whatever, tiddlywinks, marbles, you know, tic-tac-toe, Jenga, right? Piano lessons, whatever. Um, and let's just, let's just open up everything, right? And then middle school, we can start to mold, right? And then high school, we still want to have the – I still want to have multiple sport athletes, right? I don't want to specialize, right? And that's the battle we're battling, is specialization versus multiple sport athlete. Um, and, you know, and then, you know, you, you got to do all of that. But the big thing is let there be a progression. You can't go from here to here from in kindergarten to first grade, right? And so right. – um, let a kid be a kid. Right? Mm -hmm. I think that's that's the important piece is letting the kid be a kid um, and explore so they can find out what they like, not necessarily what mommy and daddy likes. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I had that question of, hey, how do I know my kid's going to be a Division One athlete when the kid's like first or second grade? Yeah. I mean, well, dad, you're six five, right? Mom, you're you're five seven five eight. You know. Probably going to land somewhere there in the middle, but did any one of you play sports? You know, you know, <laughs> were you all conference, all state? You know, did you go on the the college and play? Um, and then I, here's another one of, from that meeting, and this is this is hilarious. This is a professional athlete dad um, who just recently retired. Goes, hey, how do I start pr promoting my kid for NIL? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Should my kid have a Twitter account, right? And, <laughs> and, and and so that that was really like he was smiling while he was saying it because you know North Carolina was having some issues with NIL being passed and this government got involved and you know here we go, right? And so he was really just he was bringing it up as a joke, but like some people really took on to that. Like, what do you say to that, right? I mean, how do you promote a first grader like like i think about baby gronk that is being promoted now like he's a really good athlete i hope that he continues to to take off and and he goes on to be you know an all pro and whatever he, he chooses to do but you know it's um you know I'm, I'm watching that story because like he works really hard and you know but is social what what is the effect that social media is going to have on him or, or other kids? Um, so I you know I wish those all, that all the best. You want the you want every kid to be successful um, in whatever they do, and I think that's important. Well, when you think about it. I'm not so much worried about baby Gronk right now, but tell me six, seven, eight years from now, if he still has this passion for playing that they're trying to press on him right now. It's unfair to the kid, and you said it. Let a kid be a kid. Uh, I remember when I was a kid, and, and I sound like my grandpa when I was growing See, that up. That was but, a long time ago. You remember? Yeah, that? it was a long time ago. Right. <laughs> Since smoke signals back then. <laughs> right. That's what we, I lived on a reservation. That's what happened. So anyway, uh, we had questions. You know, even even at that point of, you know, I'd, I'd go straight from football to wrestling to baseball. Once those season ended, I went to the next one. There wasn't an off season. There wasn't – it was just the next season, whatever it was. Um, and I think kids are losing sight of that these days. I think there's tremendous value in going to the next sport um, and getting a different experience, diversity, adversity, whatever you want to – I mean, you can throw out all kinds of stuff, <clears throat> and kids are losing sight of that. And parents are getting caught up in this social media wor world of, trying to keep up with everybody else when well, my kids got 15 offers as an eighth grader. And I want to tell those parents, you want to talk about real? I told them those aren't real offers. Yeah. Ask is it committable? 
Right. I mean, that's that means nothing. They can't do anything really until they're juniors. So I don't know why you're getting caught up in this world of it, but Gucci, you, you went through several scenarios that everybody across the country can relate to. A student Absolutely. section that gets out of crazy that gets crazy, uh, a resident or a community member that you can say got crazy but felt like they had ownership of the facility and you. And then now you're talking about parents and their kids that we're all going to deal with. We're all going to face it one way or another. I guess my question would be, do you hire out? Like, could you start a consulting firm where you can just go to (laughs) all these schools and go stand in front of a student section? Because if you can throw 150 out, I want you. I want you to come to my school. (laughs) So, so, hey, so here's a funny story is I'm sitting, I was, I was lucky enough to serve on the board of directors for the North Carolina High School Athletic Association, which is the public school association that has 427 schools now, right? And uh, we have an affiliate member of of the from one of the officials groups, um, and his whole thing was, you know, we got to get somebody to get a big yellow jacket, and he was like. If you can get Gooch in a big yellow jacket, right, to be the game day administrator that can handle the crowds, everybody should have a big yellow jacket. And I'm like, there's not a, I'm not going to look like a huge highlighter wearing a big yellow jacket. But <laughs> um, I think, you know, I think what you what you accept is what you promote, yep. right? So if you accept irate behavior or unsportsmanlike behavior or something that is not necessarily against the standard, right? Then you promote that as being okay. Um, and, you know, we're not always going to get it right. There's going to be some things that we're, that, you know, we don't do well and we're okay to be criticized. That's, that's the human nature is, is to try to be critical of things. Right. Um, I always say criticism is feedback and it's an opportunity for growth. Um, and so from that point, you know, uh, just behavior is, is one of those things that can be controlled, right? Um, and if it is controlled in a professional, respectful way, right, then your kids, your families, your community, the visiting parent, community, fans, school, they're going to, they are going to buy into what you're doing and they're going to have respect for that. And I think that that is the important piece is let's work together, not against each other. But you, you made a statement, Gucci, you said early on, you thought about your ADs when you were in school and how they were present. And you have a presence, but they're visible. They were there. And you were doing that with a visiting student section. Um, But you still said that's not tolerated at our school. That's not tolerated in this environment. And your presence was like, all 150 of you, let's go. There's no question. There's no argument. And I can imagine some of the parents that were there were probably, hey, why are you going to throw them all out? My kid didn't do it, whatever. You know, you get those parents that will say, it wasn't my kid's fault. You're going to punish everybody. But the reality is you had a presence, even with a visiting school. You were visible. You were present. You said, that's not tolerated. Let's go. I mean, you'd warned them a couple times. You'd given them a couple opportunities to shape their behavior. When they didn't, you said, we're out. But the the fact that you were present and the fact that you, in that presence, said, this is the expectation. If you can't reach it, you're not going to be able to be here. Um, and then you follow through with that. I think that's a big lesson for any athletic administrator to know. Yes, you don't know the visiting team's kids, but it's still your place and it's your house and you set your expectations. And you said what you accept, that's that's what goes. And I mean, you're teaching that, you're you're allowing that, whatever you want to say, however you want to phrase that. But you clearly made the statement that that's not allowed here. That's not acceptable here and we're going to go so uh kudos for that i think they there's probably a session on that at the nadc sometime (laughs) if they ever just want somebody to say hey 
and maybe we can arrange a big yellow jacket for you. I don't know. We'll try to find <laughs> something to see if we can have you do that. Might have to sew a couple of them together. <laughs> well, we had Steve Throne presenting, so surely, I mean, Steve Throne's a large dude. Yeah. yeah. But I think the reality of that, I mean, there's some, you brought some laughter, you've talked some practical points, but then you've also gotten really deep. And there's a lot of things that you can go with some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, I, I appreciate your willingness to jump on here and say, mm-hmm. hey, here, let's just be real. And I think in our world, and you said early on, you listen to this as a, a laughter, provide some laugh, get some jokes, get some stress relief. We need that in this profession, but we also need real talk. We need somebody to just say, it's not always rainbows and unicorns. It's here's some real situations that we're going to deal with. And I'm not 6'3", 370, but I still have a presence. And I have the, I, I can demand respect. I don't go in there and just throw it around, but I can, toler, I can tolerate stuff to a point. But if I'm allowing it, I'm accepting it, however you want to phrase it. And I, I think there's a lot of truth to that, that ADs across the country and across the world can pick up and say, you know what? I can establish what the what the threshold is here and people will rise to that or they'll fall to it, whatever it is. Um, but if if they do cross that line, I've got to make sure that they're no longer that's not acceptable here and we'll get them out of here. Mm-hmm. I, I think that that really sums it up. Right. Like I hate yeah, well, the, I hate the word higher standard because there's a standard. But if you have a higher standard, there's a gap. There's an opportunity for failure there. So just stand on stop. Just stand on top of the standard, standard, and go from there. Because as you grow, that standard moves up, right? And so it's like saying, "I give one hundred and ten percent." How do you give one hundred and ten percent? Yeah, all you got's one hundred percent. That's all you got. <laughs> I mean, maybe my phone has has one hundred and ten percent, but it ain't figured it out yet. Right. <laughs> and as a coach, yeah. you're supposed to draw that out of them, get that extra ten percent out of them, whatever mm-hmm. it is. But, Gooch, uh, I think you, man, you hit some real practical points. Yeah. Um, I appreciate the opportunity just to have a conversation, and and I'm serious. When we get to Orlando, I want to sit down and have some conversations with you about some. I, I want to talk about the what you guys do at North Carolina with the ads. But I also want to talk about some wrestling days. I want to talk about some stories from my childhood growing up and and who I think are uh, legends, my Mount Rushmore, if you will, the professional world, and see if we match up on any of that. I know Hulk Hogan's there. Uh, so I can I can get behind you on that one. But there's a couple others that are kind of, I would say, a little dark horses, if you will, in my world. Yeah, I, th- I, think, one, I think one that, I look up to that people didn't give a lot of credit to was Wahoo McDaniel. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the big chief, the chief. Uh, um, so, um, you know, I, you know, you think about it, you know, Wahoo, Greg Valentine, you know, Magnum PA, you know, I mean, there's so many um, that have come through that had great careers in different times. Um, so yeah, we can get together um, and talk about wrestling. From when it was when it was regional to when it became kind of a monopoly now with uh, the WWE and Vince McMahon, so um, I enjoyed it. So thanks for having me. It's been awesome, and, and I appreciate the insight. I, I appreciate the depth of what you're talking about because I think as AD sometimes we just stay on the surface, and there's a lot more to it. And I think you've exposed some of that. Um, and I, I want to pick your brain just because I want to learn from you. Uh, just just some of the thought processes and how you approach things, because uh, that makes me better. That makes our profession better. And I think that's what part of the idea behind this podcast is to try to help make our profession better. So I appreciate you jumping on here. Appreciate your insight. Look forward to visiting with you in Orlando. Well, listen, you got to teach me. You're the one with the blue jacket. (laughs) (laughs) That just shows that anybody can do it. (laughs) Well, like you, I also appreciate it very much for taking your time out of your busy schedule to to be with us here today. And I really enjoyed your stories as well. Well, thank you. Thank you. And thanks for having me. That wraps up this episode. Thank you for listening. And thank you to our sponsor, Wall of Fame, who excels at telling your school stories and supports us in telling ours. Check out the description of this episode for a link to receive a discount on all Wall of Fame products.
We are looking forward to the next story and hope you are too.